Glad to see you all here today. Uh, we are continuing our look at social media. And uh, last week we talked about self-worth and uh, the Imago Dei, the, the fact that we were created in the image of God and then how we look at ourselves in light of social media and the doubt it instills through comparing and contrasting us with each other. And then today what we're going to do is talk about communication because it's different, right? It's different when you're face-to-face or online. Uh, so specifically interpersonal communication and how it's supposed to occur. And then maybe what happens online. Uh, and then I, I got hung up. It's interpersonal communication. Uh, what is that? Right. And so uh, there's basically a, a definition that it's, uh, this is from encyclopedia.com. Interpersonal communication can be defined broadly as communication between persons. Though that definition is kind of broad. So there's kind of a, a few anchor points that you can lock on to that it's at least two communicators. Intentionally orienting toward each other, right? There, if one of them just totally tunes out, there's no communication going on. Uh, you can't communicate with the brick wall. Uh, that there's a both a subject and an object whose actions embody each other's perspectives, both toward self and toward other. In an interpersonal episode, then each communicator is both the knower and the all object of knowledge, a tactician and a target of another's tactic, right? How am I going to communicate this with the other person? Uh, a tributor and an object of attribution, a codifier and a code to be de deciphered. So there's a lot going on. And these tend to be things we just kind of do when we communicate and, and that it involves a transfer of information, both verbally and non-verbally, between two or more people. And the problem with that, of course, is that if it is verbal, there's so much that goes on online that is lost because there's no uh, non-verbal part. It's just the text. And uh, you might be surprised, but even kind of in a, a, a talk like this, uh, two or more people in communication, and uh, it works so much better when you guys are in the room, right? We, we did that for uh, several months a few years ago where I would do this to an empty room, uh, or I would do it maybe just to my family, it's a little different because when you're all in the same room and I'm actually talking, you guys didn't know this, or maybe you do know this, but you guys communicate a lot to me. And I appreciate that a great deal. Uh, some of you nod when I say something, you, you smile or you frown. Uh, I t try not to point those things out like, wow, I struck a nerve there. Uh, 
And then when I say something and people reach for their pen and write something, right, I'm getting a lot of information because it's not just verbal. There's so much more that goes on. In fact, one of the, the, the phrases we use in our house, definitely between my wife and I, is that so much, uh, because so much communication is nonverbal, you realize in a text you can't pick up tone very well. And so how often uh, we have a discussion about this is the, the email I got, this is the text I got. And she goes, I can't believe they said that. And I go, I don't read it that way, right? Because the tone isn't there and you kind of read in the tone based on what you expect. It's not that, that uh, there's no exclamation point there, huh? And I don't think they were that angry about this. That also comes through. And possibly, most likely, we've all gotten into an online discussion that skirted the lines into debate and perhaps even argument. There was a, a guy from my church, and he would spend a lot of time on, in online uh, theological forums. And he kept coming, going, okay, here's the discussion that we had this week. You really need to jump in on this. I want to, and he thought, oh, get, get a pastor in there, right? Has theological training. He's going to really show them something. And I just, I, I didn't then and don't now see the value. Uh, because there is definitely a place for apologetics, right? For contending once for all for the faith given unto the saints, that there's a place for that. And that makes sense. I just don't know if online is the the place for it. And if you're called to that, awesome, go for it. But I don't know that that's true and definitely not true of me. Uh, We were taught when we were kids, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. But, but let's be honest. I've been hurt far more by words than I've ever been hurt by sticks. We need to take care of what we say. Words are powerful, so we need to take them seriously, right? We don't, uh, we're not flippant with our words, using them carelessly. I have been hurt far more by the words of loved ones than I ever have by the sticks and stones of an enemy, And there's a reason for that because the words of a loved one, I actually value and care. But the person that that isn't a loved one, I, I don't give their words as much weight. And Proverbs 10 gives us warning about words. This is 10, 19 in Proverbs. When words are many, transgression is not lacking. But whoever restrains his lips is prudent. Something happens when people get online, right? They say things that they wouldn't say to someone's face. Perhaps it's that measure of anonymity. It's like the person that you know they're really sweet until they get behind the wheel of a car. You would never run up to someone and yell at them or jump in front of them at line. But in a car, they honk. They cut people off. And I think that's just that anonymity. The same thing happens online, that people 
say things that they would never say otherwise. They're less careful about their words. So if words are powerful, should we jump into online debates? Paul said that he became all things to all men in order to save some. Then, then maybe being a, a online theological forum, social media uh, debater is a thing, right? Maybe Paul's like, that's where I would be. But I do think there's definitely a, a calling for that. I'm reminded of Jesus's words in Matthew 7, 6, where he says, do not give dogs what is holy and don't throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. Now, I'm not trying to call anyone a dog or a pig for that matter. Uh, but if there is a fitting description that it, it might be internet troll. The word troll, it brings to mind the idea of the troll guarding the bridge. Right? And not letting you pass until you pay the toll. But that's actually not where the phrase comes from. An internet troll, a troll is a kind of fishing. Where the boat is moving with the line in the water. And so internet trolls are trolling for something. They're fishing for something. What are they fishing for? Maybe conflict. Right? They start a ruckus. They step back and they watch. Now, there's different kinds of internet trolls. Did you guys know this? So I've got some. These are, this is a list. I found several lists, but this is the one I like the best. Uh, so first of all, the why is this news troll, right? They're the one where there's an article, someone says something, why is this news? As in, don't bother me. And uh, that's their comment. There's the do no harm troll. So so anything, if you have a stance on something, obviously you feel too strongly about it. The highbrow troll, right? They're above everything. The wet blanket troll. How dare you have fun? The uh, friendship troll. It's all about being friends and being kind and loving. The broken record troll. No matter what you say, their response is exactly what they've already said. I, I had a, um, a discussion. It was in person. And just the, 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 the person I was talking with, I would say something and he would always respond very aggressively at me. So I'm like, wow, we're arguing. I didn't know. Why are we arguing? And then as I kind of picked apart what he said, I went, wait a minute. He just agreed with me. So something about his personality that when he came at me, it always seemed really aggressive and, and it wasn't. I go, wait a minute. We just agreed. He's like, yeah. I'm like, well, then, dude, just chill out, right? You could just say, yeah, that, I agree. But that wasn't how he was. The, um, the existential void troll, right? It's, it's everything just, just so out there. The, then the, the brand troll, I use this, not that. And then the, really the last one is just trolls that are just bad people. Uh, these are the trolls who give trolls a bad name. If there's a good name for trolls. Uh, these are, uh, the bad name comes really from these people. They're the, the mean, bigoted, uh, racist. Uh, they're the, the worst of the internet. 
And, and so they're the ones when they jump in, you have to decide what you're going to do, right? The rest of them you can kind of ignore. In fact, how do you deal with trolls? You ignore them, right? For the most part, you just ignore them because uh, they, don't, they don't warrant response. Uh, that's the wise thing to do. Um, if you can just ignore what they say, ignore to your face, right? That's fine. If you can mute them, mute their comments, that works. But if you have to respond, uh, one recommendation is you respond and then mute them, right? If you feel I really need to jump in and say something. Uh, a few years ago, I, I found myself in the middle of a disagreement online. And, and it was one of those like so often happens. Like how did I get into this? Like how did I get to be a part of this disagreement? And it was a, a young lady that had grown up in a church that I had pastored years ago. And uh, she was sharing a political endorsement by her, uh, basically a national union of nurses. And I went, wait, the nurses are endorsing that candidate? And so I, I, without thinking, I just responded, wow, really? And, and I shouldn't have, I, I really shouldn't. So her response was, was, uh, do we have a problem? Notice I even read in the tone because she might have said, do we have a problem? I don't know. That's not the way it felt. It felt very much like, do we have a problem, mister? And uh, I just said, yeah, I'm just shocked that you would have a nurse's organization that's dedicated to, to helping people and they're endorsing candidates that believe in taking the life of unborn babies in the womb. That's shocking to me. Oh, well, they don't. So we then had that discussion and I just cut and pasted a couple of articles about the view of that, that candidate and, uh, and said, for your information, if you want to read this, uh, but it so easily happens. You're right in the middle of it. And you're like, what just happened? Why are we fighting? Uh, part of it, we weren't face to face. If we were face to face, we could have had a discussion, walked away feeling good. Probably wouldn't even remember that discussion to this day. But you know what? I remember that discussion from a decade ago. So it is a thing. All right. So what's the key to good communication, whether it's face-to-face -face or online? Uh, let's say the first thing. It actually comes from that old programming adage, garbage in, garbage out, right? If your, your code is junk, then you're not going to get the outcome that you want if, if it <laughs> compiles at all. That's my coding experience. It doesn't even compile. So, so what goes into your life often comes out of your mouth, right? What you watch, what you uh, read the people you spend time with, everything that goes into your life is what will come out in conversation. If you're taking communication seriously, then you need to take care of what you allow into your life because that will come out when you speak. So what you input then needs to be healthy. It needs to be God-honoring. Right? There's definitely a point at which we've had this happen several times recently where we're 
watching something on the TV and we're like, oh, turning that off. And if it's just my wife and I, we both already know, but we had it happen with my, my uh, 10-year-old at the time, and I had to turn it off. Then we had to have a discussion about how that just doesn't honor God, and that's not something we want to be a part of. Let me remind you about what Jesus said about speaking carelessly. This is in Matthew chapter 12. The second part of verse 34 and then following, he says, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, right? Out of everything that you've put into your life, the heart speaks. Verse 35, the good person out of his good treasure brings forth good. And the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. I tell you on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak for by your words you will be justified and by your words you will be condemned this is a frightening verse that there will be a day of judgment and on that day you will give account for the careless words you speak i have been known to speak carelessly Right, both in that sense that, that the words were just too many. Like, I'm trying to fill up the space with words because I'm uncomfortable or something. And words come out that, yeah, the wrong things come out. And, and that passage we read in Proverbs, then transgression, that's fancy for sin, is not far off. Or that I say things that are thoughtless without thinking through how what I say will affect the person I'm talking to. I've done it. And then I've seen them respond and I'm like, why are you so upset? I thought I was funny, maybe. And I wasn't. I thought it was a joke. But I didn't think how what I said to them might affect them. I'm responsible for that. Now, you can't check everything, right? I can't literally every word that comes out of my mouth be concerned that there's not one person. I guarantee I will say something that you disagree with. I will say something that you don't like. That, that's going to happen. So I can't do that, but I do have a responsibility that what I'm saying is true and careful and not thoughtless, right? I have that responsibility. So we need to think correctly in order to speak and communicate correctly. So that has to do with then uh, being in our right minds. Romans 12, 2, Paul wrote to the church in Rome, uh, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God and what is good and acceptable and perfect. And I cited that verse last week as well. Right, that so much of what goes on online, social media, is the exact opposite of Romans 12, too. Right, that it's not, it is that trying to conform you to the world. But we are to have renewed minds, renewed by the gospel, renewed by the Holy Spirit, renewed by God's work in our lives. And what we're to share and communicate is to come out of that. Not all the other stuff. And the best way to do that is to be careful about what goes in. 
being in your right mind is the best way to speak and hear correctly. And because our relationships matter, the Bible gives us communication skills that we can then improve. We can work on, right? Like any skill, as you work on it and get better at it, then you're better equipped. So with communication, it's the same thing. Biblical communication principles. I've got three. This is not a comprehensive list, but these are three to start with. Number one, listen before you speak. I know that seems obvious, but you need to listen before you speak. We, we did a test uh, this week. My wife and I accidentally did a test. You know, Alexa can listen to her, uh, can, can make sounds and talk and listen to you at the same time, unlike people, right? As I tell students, if you're talking, you can't hear me. Well, Alexa can listen and speak. That's kind of cool. Yeah. She's an AI, we're not. Because if I am speaking or just not listening, I'm not caring for the other person. How do you even know how to respond if you're not listening? You've probably all had that conversation when you're talking to someone and it seems like they're not listening. By the way, if you ask them, what did I say then? That doesn't help. Because they could probably rattle something off that sounds vaguely like what you just said. But it doesn't mean they were really listening. No, we've all been in that situation because they're either thinking about what they're going to say next. They're thinking of other things. It happens. Probably if they're not listening, you just need to take a step back and say, I'll give you some time. Because now obviously isn't a good one. So if we're going to listen before we speak... Let's see what God's word says about that. First of all, James 1, 19. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Right? That if you're quick to listen, if you're taking in what's going on around you and you're listening, instead of speaking, you're slow to anger. You're not just reacting. You're not rising to the occasion. You're thinking it through, responding appropriately, right? That's how we honor God. And then in Proverbs 18 too, a fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. I've got something to say. Or they're the, the, the person that when you say something, they go, yeah, but not really. Or what about... And you're like, did you even listen to me? You're so quick. You've got your own thing you want to say. And you really don't want to learn something. Right? If there's a place for honest debate, it really does require a back and forth. I, I watched a lot of uh, uh, recordings of theological debates. And I'm fascinated by them. But the thing that comes out in just about every one of them, the first half is all prepared. They know exactly what the other person's going to say, and they've got it all written out. I'm like, that's not a debate. That's not off. They're not actually responding to their question. That's you just reading through your notes. And then, so, then they'll take questions, and, and they'll come up, and then you watch the, the person flip through their binder. Oh, there's the answer to that question. I don't know how debating that, how, how much of a debate that is either. 
So we don't think before, or we don't speak before we think. We don't uh, think about how we're going to respond without actually listening to what the person says. Right? There, there's a time when, did you hear what I said? And then two, think before you speak. Right? So if you're slow to speak, you're listening, then you're thinking. Okay, not just think about what you're going to say, but so notice these are linear. The first one, you're listening. After you listen, you think before you speak. Now, that's a problem because you're going to go, well, how much time does that take? It doesn't have to take a lot of time. It's not start the clock. I got 30 seconds before I respond, right? It's not that, but there needs to be a process, right? A process of listening and then a process of thinking. You don't just react. You don't speak out of anger. You think it through. If you find yourself reacting to loved ones because they hurt your feelings, you need to slow down, right? Don't just react. Give them the benefit of the doubt. This is something as a, I've been married now for uh, over 28 years. When, when my wife and I first got married, I wasn't good at this. Because she would say something and it bothered me. It hurt my feelings. I didn't know that I had like such tender feelings until I got married, but I did. And it would be just little things. I go, I can't believe you said that to me. And she's like, what are you talking about? Why is that a big deal? And so I was reacting without thinking. If I give her the benefit of the doubt, she's not trying to hurt me. She loves me. And because of that, I'm, I'm, I'm much more willing to slow down, think it through, and then respond. And then, and then if there is a point at which I can tell her, you know, the way you said that, it kind of hurt. Then that would be appropriate. By the way, we finally got there. We can do that now. Uh, but it took almost 30 years. We're much better at it now. So you give them the benefit of the doubt. Philippians 4, 8, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is anything excellent, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things, right? So, so what's inside you is what comes out. So these are the things you think about, you dwell on, you're thinking before you're speaking, that's how you know what to say and how to say it. And then Ephesians 4.29, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. That's important. You've got marching orders in your communication that you would only share what builds others up. It says, and fits the occasion, right? You ever, you ever talk to someone and they're just so encouraging and you're like, this is not the time. We, we actually need to get serious here. We've got some decisions to make. These are some hard things. So it needs to fit the occasion, but it needs to be graceful to all. And then number three, we need to care for others' feelings before we speak, right? So before you respond, before you speak, you need to consider others' feelings. If you're to care about others, 
in the same manner that Jesus does, you need to incorporate that care into your communication. Right? You can't be a bull in a china shop every time you talk to people that they feel like beat up because you just came in. You need to be careful with them. Colossians 4, 6, let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. There, there are people when you talk to them and you walk away and you're like, I believe I'm smarter because I talk to them. I feel more encouraged because I talk to them. I want to do better because I talk to them. That's not true of everybody. That's not every time. I'm just saying that's a thing. There's definitely people that I talk to and it's a chore, right? I walk away going, man, I'm tired now. That's like hard work trying to talk. It's draining. We want to be the people that because we're gracious, encouraging, uh, seasoning the conversation with salt, with good and righteous things. That's how we ought to answer each person. And then in Psalm 141, 3, set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the lip, door of my lips, right? That, that I'm careful. So much of communication would, would really benefit us if we just spoke less. So these three skills, like I said, they're not comprehensive, but it's a good place to start. Uh, in fact, I was doing some research on communication, and I found this list. This is the five C's of effective communication from Forbes magazine. Uh, they just said, be clear, be concise, provide a compelling request, right, if that's what you're trying to do. Be curious, be compassionate. I love those last two, right? Because obviously, if I'm trying to communicate, I'm trying to be clear and concise, right, get to the point. But, but be curious. When you're communicating with someone, be curious. Your, your goal is to share the gospel. If you're curious about them, you get to know them. They're way more willing to listen to you if you've let them talk to, right? You know something about them. And then be compassionate, right? Actually stop and think about them. And then the last part of this as far as communication online, you know, it's not always going to go perfect. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to say something that someone takes the wrong way. And, and just like in real life, I'm going to say this, make relationships right, even online relationships. Right? In all of our relationships, we're to clear up any disagreement, misunderstanding, hurt feelings, that's why we have the heart attitude, right? We're to clear up relationships. And that's true if, if even the only way we've interact with that person is online, right? If we're going to represent Christ, we need to do it online as well as in person. Uh, the verse for that, that comes right from Jesus, Matthew five twenty three. Uh, so if you're offering your gift at the altar and there. Uh, remember that your brother has something against you. Leave the gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. That's how important it is to clear up relationships. That a relationship that's not clear 
becomes an obstacle between you and your worship of God. So I would challenge you with that. I've got some next steps today. Uh, first of all, I have a, a verse. This would be an excellent verse to memorize. Uh, Romans 12, 2. I've read it already. Uh, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Uh, another one that, uh, that definitely comes to mind is uh, go to a brother or sister and make your relationship right, right? If it's online, if it's in person, that you choose today. Today, I'm going to do it. I'm going to go apologize, let them know how they hurt me, uh, what they said hurt my feelings or, or whatever. Or I know that what I said hurt you. And then the last one, make a change in what I'm inputting into my life through media, right? There's things that I'm watching I shouldn't be watching. There's things I, I'm, I'm reading I shouldn't be reading. Things, places online that I'm going or people I'm interacting with that, that aren't healthy. And I need to make a change. If you don't want those things to come out in, in conversation, it shouldn't be in your life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you this morning for Jesus. We thank you that you are uh, loving and gracious, and just, righteous, and holy. And that... Uh, you desire us to be more like Jesus every day. And so it's not just in a compartmentalized way that we might be Christians, but in every aspect of our life. When we're at work and we're at home, we're at school, we're in our neighborhood when we're traveling, but when we're online, when we're interacting with other people, even digitally. In all of these ways that we would represent you and honor Jesus. Father, we thank you that you've given us your word to give us some guidance. And over the, the next couple of weeks as we continue, you give us understanding what changes we need to make. How we can best honor you. Father, we thank you for Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen.